Well, good morning, everybody. I am uh, glad to be here with you, you guys today. As much as I look forward to um, and enjoy connecting with you all during, um, during the week, um, it is great to just see everybody together on Sunday and to, to fellowship and to check in and to get sharpened by one another, and love on one another and, and touch one another, hug one another. Um, it is just a blessing uh, to be together. Um, there's nothing like the church uh, for community. Um, and we ought to be able to find that here in the body of Christ. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, well, I have a lot I want to share with you today, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're going to be going to chapter 4. And I'm going to teach on the subject today, working through conflict. Working through conflict. I know everybody's excited, right? Oh, yay. <laughs> Let's pray, and then we'll read it together. Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Um, thank you, Lord, that it gives us direction. It is a light to our paths, God. Um, and it allows us, Lord, to know exactly what it is that you want us to do and how you want us to live. God, I pray, Father, that you go forward in this message, Lord, and in our time together, God. Give your people what they need. Do, Father, what only divinity can do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Years ago, um, I worked for a tech company in Santa Clara. I worked as an IT manager for a small company which had a really big reach. Um, I had a, a replaced a guy um, who was uh, leading our group um, because our manager had came to me and said uh, that he was no longer uh, producing the outcomes that they wanted. Now I'm 23 at the time, I believe, and I don't really know what all that means. I just know that she's uh, mentioned this thing to me. So one, one thing I did know is that I like to make sure I do the right thing. And so I went, ended up doing is I went, first question I asked her is, uh, what does John think about this? What's going with, with John? Is John leaving? Um, and she said, no, he's not leaving. And so we had that conversation and uh, I went to John. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I was 23 at the time. I don't know. I, I wasn't as mature as some of the 23-year-olds and those in their 20s as, as I know today. Um, but I just thought to myself, okay, let me go to John and find out. John's the manager of the group I work for. I like John a lot. We work well together. He was laid back. He is about 20 years my senior. Um, he's twice my age. I had a respect for him. And again, just for doing the right thing. Um, so I shared with him what the boss asked me, and it was all new to me, so I probably shouldn't have done that, but it's my first job outside of telemarketing uh, after high school. Um, so I had only been there two years at the time, and I literally knew nothing, right? Well, I mean, I knew my job, um, but other than that, I was, I was really, really fresh and new uh, to the workplace. I typically get along with everyone so I, I work with, so I, I, I first thought that maybe this might fracture our friendship. And then the second thought was, well, this is a pretty good opportunity. So John gave me his blessing. My boss gave me more money. And since my, I lived with two of my brothers at the time, um, they expected me to pay rent. And I, I have no idea what that is. My, uh, my parents would be so disappointed in them um, that they expected <laughs> me to play. Um, but I, I had to pay rent. And so I thought, okay, this is great. Um, you know, I was treated so unfairly. Right, so it seemed like the right move. She was happy, she liked all my decisions, all was well, strange situation, a little awkward, a little conflict, but we got through it, so I thought. 
Fast forward a year and a half later, the same boss, same scenario. She hired this person, thought to be a family member, and he came out of nowhere with very little introduction. She said, he will be improving our production processes. And uh, I would see him from time to time sort of lurking, and John would look over at me, and he would, he would nod like, you know, what's up with this dude? What's this all about? And, uh, you know, again, I'm 23 at the time, and not as, uh, I just didn't know. You know, I'm just there to work. I'm happy. I got my first job, right? Uh, first real job in the industry. I'm just excited. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, however this works, I'll figure it out. I'm figuring out life. I'm figuring out my career. So I went to a meeting about a month later after that. Um, I'm in this position again. This is a year and a half later. And we're talking about projects and we're talking about trade shows. And as we're getting ready to end the meeting, the new guy, presumed to be a family member, says these words at the end of the meeting. And if there are any questions, come directly to me. And I looked over at uh, our manager and she said nothing. She seemed to agree with him. And so I get out of the meeting and then the meeting abruptly ended after that. You know, I've worked side by side with these folks. Um, I've, they've been really good to me, but I just didn't understand what was going on. Now, several weeks before that, I had gone to this thing called a job fair. And uh, I handed out my resume to a lot of people, but I only ran into one person. I only had a conversation with one person. Her name was Irma. Irma and I talked for about 15 minutes. And then a couple weeks after that, she called me uh, and a guy named Mike Tart wanted to meet with me. So Mike and I met and um, long story short, he, uh, he said, you have the job, sent me an offer letter. Now this was just right before all of this happened. So here we are, we're, we're sitting in there, and although I, I wanted a lot more money, you know, it was going to be a lot more money, it, it offered me a job, it was a bigger company, it had a bigger reach, more opportunity. I love that small community feel, that tight community I was in. So I hadn't really made up my mind yet. Um, I had just had the job offer and when this happened. So here it is, the end of the day, my boss comes out and she says, you know, things look good, and she's acting like everything is, is normal. So I'm confused. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is just because of my inexperience. I don't know. I head home, but I was fuming, right? Can I just be honest? I was fuming. I, it, was, it, was not in a, it was not done in a way that was fair. It was not done in a way that was respectful. I would say I went home and prayed, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. I don't recall. I only came to Christ just two years before that. Maybe I have developed a prayer life. What I do recall is I was fuming. You see that? We already learned a lesson, right? I've, I've already learned a lesson. If all you remember is that you are upset in a conflict, there's a problem. So I gave that job everything I had. I went home, and by the time I went to sleep, I decided to talk to her that week. I was going to leave. I thought it would be easy, and I, when, I, when I went to told her and told her, it wasn't so easy. So we go in, I, I reach out to her, I walk up to her office, I, we walk into the conference room, we're in the conference room, and I just said, hey, um, I restated what was said at the end of the meeting, and I said, listen, it seems like based on that meeting yesterday that you have a direction that you're moving forward in, um, I'm, and so I'm giving you my two-week notice today, I said, I'm going to leave, and she goes, no, 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 he's just, you know, he's just going to help, and, and all of this, and uh, thank God for the Holy Spirit, right, because it doesn't matter my, my age or stage or how long I've developed or anything like that. The Holy Spirit can do what, do what he does in any given situation. So I was confident in that. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, how much are they going to pay you? 
Again, I told her, I don't know why, I don't know if you're supposed to do that. She asked me how much are they going to pay you? I told her, she says, I tell you what, Jason, uh, we'll match it and we'll give you 12 months of back pay for it. But I had already made up my mind. You know, when you make a decision, and the decision in you, you're just confident in Jesus. You're confident in what he, he has said and what he's going to do. And so I just said, no, you know, I'm good. I'm giving my two weeks notice. And she began to tell me more and more. And hey, didn't you want to go see my sister live in Japan at the time? Didn't you want to go see your sister in Japan? And, you know, this and that. And well, you get the point. Can anyone else relate to that? Can you relate to that in your life, just the conflict that happens and, and how we are to go about navigating that conflict? I think we all can because conflict really is a regular part of your life and it's a regular part of my life, right? Many times we view it as a bad thing, but I think God uses it for good. I believe we grow if we manage conflict right. Listen, some of us are really good at it. I've been around some people who are really good at it. However, for most, managing conflict is a challenge. Some of us were not taught how to do it, right? If you think about the household you grew up in, and some of us had really poor examples, right? We heard, uh, what, slam doors. We heard the silent treatment. We saw toxic ways of making up, which really wasn't making up. It was just throwing it under the rug. Others, you winged it, and you're behaving and handling things like you were a child, like you were a kid. It's not working for you, but you don't know any other way. So as a result, some of us flee from conflict. And what do we do? We ignore the situation, right? Some of us assume we're right all the time. Got anybody like that around you who just thinks they're right all the time? Some of us fight and we, and we name call because we've developed this defense mechanism. Some of us assume that the other person or the other group are, uh, that they're wrong, some of us just want to be in control. We think apologizing no longer puts us in a position of control. So we don't apologize. So perhaps you're sitting here today and you owe someone an apology. Some of us just want to be heard, but the problem is we don't want to hear other people. Have you ever been in conversations like that, right? I've, I, I mean, I, I struggle with this, like you probably struggle with this. Uh, but one thing I, I can say is that I know how to listen. And so I, I'm listening to people, but have you ever listened to someone and you said what they need to say and sometimes they're long-winded and they went for a really long time and then you go to say something and all of a sudden they're cutting you off. No, 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 but this, this and that, and no, no, you did this and you did that. Or, you know what I mean? Or maybe it's in the workplace and they're just like, you know, asserting their authority over you, acting as if what you said does not matter, right? Maybe they get hostile um, towards you. Maybe that's you, right? We all have something. Well, I have good news if you can relate to any of that. In our passage, the Apostle Paul introduces us to two people in this story, two women that were in a conflict. He gives us guidance along with other scriptures, and so let's, uh, let's read that uh, together, and then we'll go from there. He says in verse number one, this is Philippians 4, 1 through 7. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, 
Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Synthache to be of the same mind in the Lord. Notice he calls them out separately. Yes, can I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So here we have these two women. And the Apostle Paul writing tells us how to handle the conflict. There are so many ways. I just want to share a few today. And these will help you on your family. Uh, they'll help you on your jobs, perhaps. And of course, this context takes place in the church. So we're going to talk about two observations. And then I want to share four uh, guiding principles that are sure to, to bless you, not because I came up with them, but because I pulled them out of Scripture. So this is an important so, subject, so much so that Jesus prayed for it, right? The scriptures commanded it in the early church. We saw practiced it. The first observation is how the apostle Paul addresses the people during this dilemma. Now listen to this. He greets them not as an authority figure, but as a friend. And if you look at it, he uses five phrases within this small sentence. He uses five phrases or five words um, that, to show how he feels about this church. And this will, this will give us a good insight into how we approach people how we respect people, how we love people. The first he calls them brothers and sisters. He says, the church whom I love. The NSAB, I love what it says. It says, therefore, my beloved. Another translation says, my dear, dear friends. Do you see the respect and the genuine love there? Secondly, he says, I long to see you. I long for you. Epipathetos, I earnestly desire to be with you. Now, this is great for Paul because if you think about Paul, what does he normally say in his letters? I long to be with you so that I may impart. He doesn't say that here. He's not talking about imparting something. He's saying, I long to be with you. He loved the Philippian church. It was a good church. And Paul typically writes to say that I will long to impart, but he doesn't say that again here. Third, he says, my joy, my joy. They, they brought him great joy and excitement due to their faith. You ever been around somebody whose faith just gives you joy? I just love sometimes just listening to people whose, whose faith, they're going through a bunch of stuff, but their faith, they believe. And I'm not talking about the, the fake stuff like, you know, you just sort of throw God's name in there and, and, and everything, but you literally are sitting there like, I believe, I really believe he's going to do this. I'm not talking about Christianese, but I'm talking about, I just really believe my faith is in Jesus Christ. I know that I know that I know. And then fourth, he says, my crown. In other words, you're the proof that I ran my race successfully. You guys are my crown. He, 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 this is how he thought about the Philippian church. 
and to their people. And then fifth, he says, stand firm. In other words, don't waver, stay on track. You got this. When you stand firm, I get joy. That's the first observation. The second, but perhaps the most striking observation about this message is how direct Paul is. And I think many of us can learn from this, right? How direct Paul is. Uh, Paul has preached about unity in his other letters. We know that, right? All throughout the letters, you can see where he preached about unity. But he did it in a really general sense. However, here, he calls out the two women by name. These two women were known to be uh, pillars in the church. They worked side by side with Paul. Their names, he said, are written in the book of life. They are true believers. One scholar went as far as to say that they may have been two of the founders of this congregation. But he calls them out directly. Now, you have to think about this because when Paul wrote letters, when letters arrived, they were read in church, <laughs> right? So he would write these letters to the church. They were read publicly in church. So you imagine you're sitting right there, right? Uh, Eudodia and uh, Syntyche, Syntyche uh, you're sitting right there in the church. And so it's announcement time, right? He talks about Clement, so we'll use Clement. Elder Clement, it's thought to be Clement was an elder in the church and that he perhaps was the one that told Paul about all that was going on with these two women. And it was serious enough that Paul thought it would affect the church. So he says, he's, you know, can you imagine that? Good morning, Philippian Christian Fellowship. <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul has sent you a letter and I want to read it. <laughs> Euodia and Syntyche are sitting there like, oh, this morning. <laughs> and so Elder Clement starts reading. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord on Sunday morning. You're sitting there like, man, I knew I should have stayed home today. <laughs> Can you imagine the look on their faces as the entire congregation sort of turns their heads, you know, and looks, and looks at them? Yet Paul calls them by name. The Philippians church was a good church. It was a healthy church. And Paul called them his joy and his crown because they were an example. But he wanted them to continue to be a good example. He didn't want this very serious issue of them to fester are to disrupt the unity of the church. We can learn from this. So Paul tells them to be of the same mind, the same mind. In other words, to agree, which means to think or form an opinion, to set one's mind on something of the same mind. He wanted them to live in harmony. This is the picture of the Christian church standing firm in Jesus Christ. We must be united. Not just here in the local body. This is talking, you're talking about the church, right? This is the local body, but we're talking about the church all around. So how can you and I, based on what we see in this passage, engage in conflict with our brothers and sisters in the church and in our families? Now, again, this passage is addressing those in the church, but I believe overall the Bible has principles that can be used wherever you have conflict. And let me just preface these uh, four points that I'm going to share with you um, with two other scriptures. Two of the things that I noticed in this passage is that we have to have a mindset of a peacemaker and we ought to be maturing in Christ. 
You know how the Bible talks about presenting yourself mature in Christ? It's not just saying that you're mature. It's not that everyone is mature, but we are maturing. Notice I said we. We are maturing. Each and every one of us are maturing. We may be at different levels. You may, may have been saved 40 years. I may have been saved 10. That doesn't mean you're more mature than me, by the way. And we have to present ourselves mature in Christ. We have to continue to mature in Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 9, 5, 9 says, let me slow down. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know what peacemakers do? They nip, they nip conflict in the bud. They address it right away. It's so important that Jesus says in Matthew 23 and 24, uh, look at the screen with me. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with him, then come and offer your gift. What does that tell us? I don't want to be too literal because I know that not everything translates. That tells me that perhaps some of us, when we came in today, it's probably something that we should have done or that we should be doing. Maybe we should be on the phone. Maybe we should be out in the courtyard pulling someone aside. Maybe it's in your family and you got to go there after church today. He says, do it quickly. Don't let your anger build up. I didn't handle everything right in the story that I shared with you. And my age can't be an excuse at that time. I didn't handle it right. I was angry and that anger turned into resentment. And if I wasn't careful, that resentment can turn into a very bitter person. So let's not let it fester. It's a serious issue. I know it's not a fun topic, right? But hey, this is something that we have to learn. It makes us better. It builds character in us. The second thing is, is we talked about maturing in Christ. Maturity in 1 uh, Corinthians 13, 7 I love what it says here. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. If you're wondering why I'm doing that, I'm not doing sign language. That's the way I remember scripture. So he, so he says, I spoke like a child, right? I reasoned like a child. I mean, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became older, I put away childish things. Some of us are still fighting like kids. You want to have a physical fight in the workplace. You're sitting at different places in your life with other people. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe it's with, it, with a parent. Do you know that we only have our parents for so long? Do you know you only have your brother for so long? You only have your sister for so long? I'm talking about your your. your uh, your immediate family. But the same goes in the church. You only have your brother for so long. You only have your sister for so long. Whether that's separation by they move away or whether they're right here with you and, and life is just happening. It's not worth it. We need to resolve the conflict. And listen, as easy as I can preach it, it's much harder to do it. And I understand that. But he says, when I became a woman, when I became a man, I put childhood behind me. 
So what are some ways in which we can do this? I'm just gonna give you some practical ways and listen, there's so many different ways that you can look at this, but I'm gonna give it to you out of this scripture. Um, I've shared a few others with you. The point is, is that you do it, all right? The, f- the first one is, and we see it right there in, in the scripture in verses four through seven is where we're gonna get, uh, where Paul sort of leads us. He says, rejoice always, rejoice always. Just continue to rejoice in the Lord. And as you rejoice, some of that stuff will just sort of fall off. And then as you address it, right, as you're, as you're direct about it, as you're quick about it, you'll address it. But rejoice always. This is, this is something that we ought to do. We're, we're, I love what um, Chip Ingram says. He's, he's not talking about not just putting up with one another. He says, he says, don't just put, the body of Christ shouldn't just put up with one another. He says, our unity can't be superficial. It must be from the heart. I love that. It can't be super. How, how easy is it to use your Christianese and use a few scriptures and say, oh, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, oh, I don't have anything against her. And as soon as she walks past you, right, as soon as, soon as he walks past you, you see him in the, and you come out of your office and they're come walking by and you're acting like you dropped your keys or something. <laughs> you, can't, you can't even look at him, right? In the workplace. God forbid that's in the workplace. What about the church? We can't act like that. We can't be like that. We have to be honest. We have to be willing to apologize. We have to be, be willing to say, listen, I'm hurt because, you know, when I shared with, uh, with you, I told you that was for you and me. And you went off and told it to someone else, right? We have to start, you know, I don't want to seem um, very um, psychology-oriented, but we do have to talk, talk through how you feel about it right? I am hurt because, right? You know, this really, I felt disrespected when you said that in front of my team. Remember my story? I felt disrespected when you said that in front of the team. You could have just came to me on the side, right? I, I sense that this is bothering me because you use, and, 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 and listen, sometimes you have to just say, and if you don't know, is you know, it could be me. It could be me. But I, I'm just bringing it to you because it's bothering me, and, and I don't want it to come between us, right? Um, but, but it's bothering me, and I, and I have to mention it, and I have to say something about it in a respectful and in a loving way, right? So rejoice always. Secondly, he says to be gentle, right? So ramp up our gentleness. You know what that means? For some of you, it's the tone that you use when you talk to people. It's the tone that you use. Some people have just, the, first of all, some, some folks don't have a filter. Um, and some just use a tone that's condescending or a tone that's rude or perhaps a tone that, that you're, I feel like I'm standing in front of my mom. You know, I feel like I'm 10 and I'm standing in front of my mom because of the tone that you're using with me, because of your attitude towards something. So ramp up the gentleness, right? I'm sorry I should have gone to you first. I'm sorry I should have talked, shouldn't have talked bad about your, your husband or whatever. I'm just sort of making it. I'm sorry I joked about this or that, you know, whatever it may be for you. Try to change your tone and try to change your verbiage. You always, 
see, y'all had to tell it on myself. That's, that's, I, I've, I tell you, I struggle with that one. And uh, Tasha sometimes will look at me and say, always, really, always, every single time, <laughs> every single time. Can I just tell myself a little bit? You always do this or that. There's a few ways to be gentle in how we talk and how we approach people and how we, what we say to them. Uh, number three, um, rebuke anxiety. Rebuke anxiety. Right. In the word there, in the, you know, in the, this is all in verses four through seven. You can see it. Rebuke anxiety. So, you know, we get anxious sometimes and things start to come on and, and that makes us act like a totally different person. So you just have to be careful with that. And, and as that comes into your life, right, um, for some of us, that's more so than others. You're, maybe you're a really anxious person. That's something that you've struggled with throughout your life. Whatever it may be, just recognize it, right? It's no need. Like, for instance, there's no combination. So if you're here and you're like, man, so far all three of these relate to me. That's fine. Work it out. Do what the scripture says. Start doing it. And that's all God asks for us, right? It's other people that ask you to be perfect and ask you to, oh, no, God, see? They, they think that that one thing that you did or that one mistake that you've made, you made many mistakes, but the one that they saw, um, they want to blow that up. God doesn't do that. God says, here's my word. Here's how to do it. Walk it out. Walk it out. And the number four, it says, uh, relieve the situation through prayer. You see in that, verses five and six, uh, through prayer and supplication, present your request to God. Relieve the situation. There's so much that can fall off of a conflict that you have with another individual or with another group or whatever it may be that prayer just handles. You just start praying. You pray before you get there. You pray after you leave. You pray while you're sitting there. You ever been in, 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 a, in a sit down with someone and it's about something else, but, you know, you're just praying. You're listening. You're active listening. You're participating. But in between, you're, you're throwing it up to the Lord like, God, oh, God, oh, God. Only you, Lord. Just pray. Just be praying. And you'll find that you'll begin to feel relief because what does God call us to do, right? He calls us to do these things, to go to the person direct, to be honest, right? To watch how we talk to people, to have that conversation. And then he calls us to pray, right? As we see here, not to bring our anxiousness into the situation. And that's all we can do. And we pray. I thank God for people in my life who sometimes just tell me, man, you got to leave that. Just give that to the Lord. Just give that to the Lord. Right? You know, when I get fired up, I get fired up. So relieve the situation through prayer. And then number five, recruit help if needed. Do you notice in the passage, what he does is he, um, he, he, he petitions the church. He's talking to, to uh, Clement, um, but at the same time, he's really talking sort of to the whole congregation. Like, listen, if, if these two can't get it together, we're not about to let uh, disruption happen in this church then we need some other folks to come, to come alongside. So recruit help if you need it. Right? And sometimes it's not even recruit. Sometimes we just have to see and we just have to go in and, and help, right? if it's appropriate. Right? 
You got to go in and help. And then the last one is forever forgive. Forever forgive. Listen, perhaps the greatest betrayal Jesus had to deal with was those who persecuted him on the cross, all right? This, uh, this idea of the cross and those who persecuted, us, uh, persecuted him gives us the perfect conflict resolution example. It gives us a picture of godly wisdom and it gives us a picture of holiness in this. In Matthew 27, Jesus was wrongly accused and what did he do? He didn't refute it. He was tortured and mocked, yet he didn't resist. And again on the cross, he was mocked openly by crowds, by soldiers, by people, laughing, throwing things, piercing him, yet he didn't engage them. I'm not telling you to be a punching bag. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is take their approach of Jesus and come in a way that is gentle, and that just knowing that God's, God's got the situation, right? I don't have to be the person to try to, to try to fix this. Give it to the Lord. Do the things that I know I'm supposed to do. What he said gives us the best example of conflict resolution that we could ever hear. And I'll end with this. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Let's pray. Stand with me. Stand to your feet. So you bow your heads with me. And as you bow your heads, I just want to pray for each and every one of us for all of us, really, on how to handle conflict in our lives, in our families, and in the church. But I specifically want to pray for those of you who are in a battle right now, who are struggling right now. And perhaps you needed to hear some of these tools. And perhaps you're going to go to Scripture and you're going to hear even more. and see, and God will give you what it is that you need to do. But I want to pray for each and every one of you today who you're in the middle of it, and you're just saying to yourself, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do next. Perhaps it's a long-term conflict. Perhaps it's recent. And perhaps it's something that has just happened, and you Maybe it's happened a long time ago and you haven't dealt with it. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to have a two-minute face-to-face just to say, I'm sorry. I don't understand it all. It was a confusing time for me. But I don't want this to be between us. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If that's you, I would love to pray for you. Just slip up your hands and let me know who you are. Amen. I see your hands.
Father, thank you that when it comes to life, you give us a guide. You give us this thing called the Holy Bible that we can read and study. But more than reading it and studying it and preaching it, you want us to live it. You want us to walk it out. Lord, I pray for every man and woman, child perhaps, that raised their hand. God, that you would show them how to handle the current conflict they're in. That you would show them how to handle perhaps that old conflict, Lord. That they would, that you would just help them to recall how they have handled it in the past. And perhaps they need to go and say, I'm sorry to someone, Lord. I pray, Father, that it be a godly response. I pray that you would give them the words to say. And I pray that you would give them the words not to say. Allow them to know what not to say. I pray, Father, that they wouldn't make an excuse. They wouldn't justify. But that they would simply say either they're sorry or they recognize their part in this. They should have done what they've done. Whatever it is you call them to do, God. I pray, Father, that it's done as, as the Apostle Paul laid out for us, God. I pray that you would give them a confidence in going to the person or the group. I pray, Father, um, we see in your word, Lord, that a lot of this was done face-to-face. And if that's not possible, perhaps phone call. Maybe a Zoom is better so I can see your face. I don't know, God, but I pray that you'd give them what they need, Lord. I pray, Father, that the words of this scriptures, Lord, would come to life, Lord. As you said, Lord, when you passed, you said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You gave them the benefit of the doubt. You love them. You were kind to them. As your apostle Paul said, Lord, my beloved, my crown, my joy. At one point we were okay. And I just want to get back there or at least mend the issue. God, heal a heart today. Mend someone today, Lord. I pray, Father, that by this one step, their whole life would change because they, they, they are now addressing those issues in their life instead of walking away, running or burying them or ignoring them. And for all of us, God, I pray, Father, that each and every one of us, Lord, would come to the realization, Lord, that this is a command and you call us to do it. You give us examples and so there's no excuse. It may be hard. It may be challenging. But we want to be obedient yes. to the word of God. Be with us, God. Bless us, God. And we trust you for the outcomes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah.